coming to you live from the city. It's the Ten Point Podcast. My name is Bruce, and all these books, a world of knowledge at our fingertips. And what do we do? We record podcasts all night. <laughs> Wake up, Glimmer Twins. We have a podcast with me this week. This guy is methodical, exacting, and worst of all, patient. It's Chris. What's on the show? <laughs> and secondly, it's dismissive to call him a lunatic. Don't make that mistake. <laughs> it's Andy. I'll take that one. Uh, it was a lot worse. At one point, I was just going to shout, Dicks! Dicks! <laughs> As an intro, but I decided against that. We are the 10 Point Podcast. You can find us at 10pointpodcast.com and on all podcast apps and everything that plays audio, whether it's Spotify, whether it's we own SoundCloud. I think we're on that we're as well. We're on everything. Whether it's, your, whether it's your Amazon device, your phones, oh, I'll everywhere. Tell, I'll tell you what, I'll interrupt you here. Mm-hmm. As a podcast, we're pretty good, by the way. Yeah. I forgot I forgot to mention this a couple of weeks ago. I was on holiday and I thought, I'm going to listen to a couple of our podcasts. And I hate listening to ourselves. <laughs> I was giggling at myself. I'm well funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, found that, I laugh at myself the most when I listen to us back, which is a bad thing. <laughs> it's just like, it's like, I used to listen to a lot of Kevin Smith podcasts. I don't listen to many podcasts now, but we're, we're, we've got to be up there. Definitely top two podcasts, I reckon. It's, it's always a good time. Like I do, like, there's a but few also, times. Like, I think we're leading the field and stuff as well because I keep finding on oh, my phone bleeps like this is coming out. We are. We, we basically made a face off sequel from last week. I know. Like, we've got, got face off two greenlit. <laughs> like we, we 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 need to have like millions more listeners. You know, we've got thousands. We want millions next season because yeah. production companies are listening to us, stealing our ideas and making them to Hollywood movies now. It's because we don't have the exposure. We need to get more exposure so that people know that we came up with the idea first. Yeah, we want to become viral. Yeah. Chris, do something stupid. That's <laughs> 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 one for the highlight reel. <laughs> Tenpointpodcast.com for all your Ten Point Podcast goodness. Uh, send us any messages over there as well. Uh, Twitter uh, and Facebook. It's going right. Tweet, Facebook messages too. We want to hear from you and help us get out there so that we can actually get paid by Hollywood to come up with these ideas. What have we been watching in the last week? There's no separate special bonus episode this week, so we're going to have to cram it in here. Uh, me and Andy have both been to the movies. Andy, what did both of us see in the last week? Uh, well, I definitely seen a different film than was advertised. I went to go watch this film with, ooh, it's like, ooh, Vikings. Ah, that looks all right. Ooh, all big right. battles. <laughs> I'm like, that looks no. all right. Somehow they ruined Vikings. Don't know how, <laughs> but we went and watched The Northman. Um, Spoiler alert, don't go to watch The Norseman if you want to watch Ethan Hawke and Willem Dafoe in A Viking Adventure. I think combined they have five minutes of screen time. I'll do a semi-spoiler, non-spoiler review of this film. So I'm starting, I'm like, all right, it's by the witch director. I'm not 100% it's going to be good for me. And I'm watching, I'm like, all right, Viking battles. Okay, I'm with this. Oh, twist. He's going to have to go away and become a big Viking warrior. But his dad seems a bit creepy. Are they going to fuck his dogs? No, William Defoe is going to stop it. That's fine. And then it's like, all right, big Viking battle. Here we come. And there's a mini Viking battle. Oh, yeah, that big guy you wanted, he doesn't own an army now. He works on a farm. Here's your film. I was like, fuck you. <laughs> That's pretty much my review of The Northman. Uh, yeah, it, it's not quite what I thought it was going to be. But at the same time, I'm not exactly sure what it is. Uh, nope, it's not clear. 
it's kind of like the it's kind of like the witch where oh there's definitely some titties fleeing there's witchcraft and like i said i felt for that kid at start i thought william defoe and his dad were going to do some messed up cosplay bullshit i was like what the fuck is this it was very strange (laughs) so yeah that's my review of it it does have the entire cast of the witch in it with the exception of black philip unfortunately so wasn't in it yeah it's it's very unusual um I really struggled. I've not had a chance to actually complain about this because I've not had an email. Normally, when you go to cinema or anywhere these days, they send you an email. How was your visit? Shit. So I need to <laughs> I need to complain about the uh, the cinema world in Glasgow that I went to, where we sit down and it's like watching the trailers. And every time the tra- the screen goes dark, there's kind of like it looks like stars, like blue dots on the screen. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. And then keeps going, keeps happening, doesn't ever go away. When it's all bright, you don't notice it. But as soon as it goes anything dark, you can see it. And I'm like, oh, well, maybe, maybe it'll go off when the, the lights go down and all that. So it comes to starting the film. You know how whenever you're in the cinema, it does that refocusing thing and it makes the screen big? Uh, the yeah. screen didn't do that and fill the screen. It was always like black bars <laughs> around about. So it didn't fill the whole screen. And any time it went dark, now Andy, you can vouch for me on this one. This film is half in the dark. Yes. Like, it is nighttime the whole time and it is proper dark. Anytime I did that, these it looked like kind of a star, you know, like uh, what you got Orion's belt. It looked like a star, kind of what's it called again? Constellation. It looked like one of them. So I run out and I say to the person's like, "Oh, there's something weird going on in the screen I'm in. There's like a blue dot." So like, oh yeah, yeah. Is it kind of whatever? It's kind of blue dots, blue marks on the screen. I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh yeah, it's been like that since Friday. I went on Tuesday. Uh, it's gonna get fixed at some point. And I'm like. So we're just supposed to just deal with it. And he's like, oh, did you pay for your tickets? And I was like, ah, I should offer me a refund. And I was like, but no, I've got an unlimited card and I did a Meerkat movies. Oh, okay. And like, so there's nothing you can really do for me then. <laughs> like, yeah. And I'm like, so we just watch it like that. He's like, yeah, sorry. So the guy's fine. The guy's answered his questions. But Cineworld knowingly put on movies in a screen all day that they know is faulty. And I thought it was something to do with the screen. When I left... The actual projector, it's projecting the blueness out on it. You could see, as the film had ended, the blue same constellation on the screen at the back where the projector was come from. So Cineworld, ripping people off. <laughs> what a rad movie you can't see. So there you go. Complaint. Not that anyone's really going to hear and do anything about it. <laughs> I don't know. I that I don't changed Hollywood. Yeah. So there we go. Like It's the fact that they actually just, oh, yeah, we'll just keep using that. No one will care. And there was like, quite a few people there. I thought Northman would be dead, but there's quite a few people there watching. That's because they all thought it was a Viking uh, epic film. <laughs> yeah, strange, but not too strange. Uh, my my main complaint about the film itself was I really struggled to work out what was happening and what wasn't happening. You know, like a lot of it, I don't know if it implied dreams, otherworldly. On mushrooms, sort of... he was definitely yeah, on mushrooms exactly. quite a lot that time. So there's some stuff where I wasn't sure if it was actually happening or not. But in the end, it weaves a perfectly fine story. But it's, again, it's no, it didn't need to be as long as it, it was. I do have a good yeah. recommendation since we just. That's not a good recommendation. Yeah. Jackass four point five. What film? Oh yeah, I've watched that. I've heard it was worth your time. I've seen. I've never seen number four yet. Oh, Poopies. Poopies won best kiss at the MTV Movie Awards. So <laughs> Poopies is my new man. I love Poopies. I won't rent. I won't rant on too much. But they've also ruined the MTV Movie Awards by making <laughs> half of it about reality TV now. <laughs> and like us again, us ten said they've now got a best acting performance. We did that first. We decided. <laughs> Let's not separate everyone. Everyone's in the same category. So yeah, they've ruined the MTV movie awards <laughs> just by, by copying. But um, 
Jackass four and a half. Anything else to say on it? Just great, is it? Just great. Oh, uh, there's one point that's utterly brutal. I, I couldn't watch it. It was um oh. you haven't seen the fourth one yet, have you? So I, I won't say anything. There's bits in that where I actually winced and just couldn't look. It is uh, one of them's got to do with a nutsack, so I'll just say that. Uh, frequently Jackass involves nutsacks, yeah. if I remember. Oh, is that David? Or Aaron McGee. No, it's Aaron McGee. Uh, Aaron McGee. Yeah. Yeah. Put all danger there. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll two more things. Obi Wan Kenobi. It's a bit shit. It's just a film <laughs> stitched out. Aye. Uh, it's my Every episode has made a film like they were gonna do. It's all right, but ugh, it seems like a waste of time. They, they've got a massive villain problem in that film where they don't actually explain who anybody is on the dark side. Well, Darth Vader. Kinda... He's uh, he's easy. He's the, the father. Well, I feel like he's fairly. He's fairly fleshed out, uh, as it were. But the rest of them, I'm not sure. I'm just case. assuming that everybody's watched everything that's happened so far and yes. knows exactly where this fits in and knows what's happening. And it's like, well, why are you telling me this story? We're supposed to know everything. Miss Marvel started. Did we watch I'll, that? I absolutely love it. It's amazing. I thought it was great. Yes, <laughs> I was like oh. Disney. They showed the trailer. I was like, that looks shit. That's what's the best non-racist way to put it? Ethnicity thrown in my face, and I was like, it's really putting me off. <laughs> However, I did love Miss um, Marvel in the, the game, like the Avengers Assemble game. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I absolutely loved her. I was like, eh, that's pretty good. Yeah, I like the story. The TV show gives me that exact game. Like, flawlessly. Perfect. And it's fun. It's it's not like, it's obviously about a Muslim family, but it's not shoved down my throat. Whereas that first trailer was very much, look at us, we're branching like Bollywood. And I was like, I don't care. Just give me Miss yeah. Marvel. So, it's yeah, very done well. I, I think it started this week. I thought it was another week coming. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. Th- this is just tucking everything at us. But yeah, it's very colourful, and yeah, much better than I thought it was going to be. I still think it's going to be the least cared about Marvel thing they ever do. Yeah, People which I think is actually a shame. I mean, there's there's one bit in it where the physics don't add up. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. But, it, yeah. but, it, but, it, but it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, episode one really, really good. Uh, and my final thing, I'll mention, I finished Stranger Things Season 4 Part 1, confusingly. <laughs> uh, I think it might be the best season of Stranger Things ever. The yep. first one probably is. If it's not, it's this one. I don't know if it's tremendously well crafted or it signposted everything because I did kind of work out everything as it yes. was going on. But so during the final episode, I was like, ah, yes, ah, yes. I let, everything was clicking into place for yeah. me that I thought was happening. But that might just be because it's well made. I don't know. And I thought it was good. And it's a good explanation of what's been happening and why everything's happening. And I'm looking forward to the last two I, f- I, feel, I feel like in a 10 point podcast, we need to warn people not to get 11 tattoos. Because that's a bit of a touchy subject at the moment because it looks like something right, else, which yeah. I didn't even think about. Uh, but apparently everybody's going out to the tattoo parlours and getting a living tattooed on the wrist. Surely you'd pick your own number, wouldn't you? I don't know why. Yeah, but that's still a bit dodgy. Uh, <laughs> and my other takeaway from this the Stranger Things like finishing is what is it? It was literally on the tip of my tongue and I've just confused myself. <laughs> uh, I'll come back to me. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Fill some time. Talk about Stranger Things. <laughs> well, Spoiler, I think it's like you said, it's the best season. Yeah, I think it's got to go four, one, then three, three, two. (gasps) That's it. There needs to be more gulag stuff. Oh, went two last. Oh, the gulag's done. That's what I was going to say. I love the gulag. Has to be some significance of the Russia stuff because at the moment it does not matter and is not connected to the rest of the series. So I want to know how they got that demigorgon there because that was thrown at the end of the the season three. So if you haven't seen that. My 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 prediction was going to be that they also have a gate, yeah. and Hopper at the right time is going to Millennium Falcon it and come in and save the kids in the Upside Down. 
and that's why they've kept them. They've kept the one or two adults who know about all of the fantasy stuff away from the series, so they can continue making Stranger Things and have everybody not believe them. And at the very end, they come back in and help them. But yeah, it seems it's been fine. I've, I've quite enjoyed uh, Murray. I like I like him. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it feels like it's a different show that's been kind of sell sell taped on to the side of this show to kind of fill the actors' times up. But very good. And that's me. That's everything I've watched in the last week, literally. So I don't know if Chris has got anything else to add. Uh, quick and painless. I watched Ghostbusters 2 the other day. It was on TV. Absolute banger with them. It was Ghostbusters Day this week, which I'd never heard of before, but this is the what? anniversary of the first one coming out. Yeah, it was the 8th or the 6th or something like and that. And to continue our Day. podcast news, Ghostbusters Life After, or Afterlife 2's definitely been greenlit, and it's all going to be set in New York again. Yeah. Looking yeah. forward to it. The first one, the, first one, the, the, the last one. Was really That's good. a sneak preview of the new season's game. news. <laughs> Yeah, I think we've already put that to bed now. Yeah, we know where you're going to bed. <laughs> like, let's carry I on. I can't go through that again. <laughs> right, we better get on with the, the podcast this week. Uh, the reason for us being here. Point, point number one. The 1995 crime drama oh, mystery yeah. thriller Seven, or sometimes <laughs> written as Seven in, because they put a seven in instead of the V. So uh, Seven is what I will continue to call it, but it often has the number smack dab in the middle brought to us by New Line Cinema that we've covered a few times before prior to this they've brought out City Slickers and Mortal Kombat what this a, was seen as at the time in 1995 1994 making it New Line Cinema's first ever A-level movie where they pay A-level actors to get an A-level director and an A-level script to make a big time movie uh, and then they went on to make the Blade trilogy which we've done Fracture and Vacation and a thing called the Lord of the Rings trilogy they made them a little bit of money uh, after the turn of the century. Written by Kevin, sorry, Andrew Kevin Walker, not Kevin Andrew Walker, Andrew Kevin Walker. Uh, this was the biggest thing he ever wrote. The five biggest things he ever did were Brain Scan, This, 8mm, Sleepy Hollow, and then Windfall. So he very much peaked uh, with Seven and then maybe Sleepy Hollow not long after it, but that's that's him. He plays uh, one of the earlier dead bodies. I think he's the first dead guy in the entire film. Uh, he played him. All right, yeah. Or like one scene. Seven, directed by David Fincher, who we've covered before. But I've got every film he ever directed. He was a big uh, music video and trailer, not trailer, music video and advert guy. But then he first got his first movie directed Alien 3 and had such Wait. a bad time with the studio timing in. Actually, I forgot about yeah. Alien 3. Andy, you've got something yeah. to add about Alien 3. We've, we've actually got listeners that are kicking off this season because Chris had obviously had his last pick. And he's been doing his trilogy sequel. Now, when I started Blade, we did Blade 1, we did Blade 2. This season, there's been fans <laughs> waiting for Alien 3, and it has not happened. And they're, they're pissed. Uh, I've got some bad news. It's not coming next season either, by me. <laughs> What's the point of I starting mean, a trilogy and not finishing it? Because it's not a trilogy. It's like a... Sexology? Sex trilogy? Yeah, sexology. Well, it is now, but you, you start something, you got to finish, you got to follow through, Chris. Oh, well... I'm, I'm, I'm thinking 10 seasons ahead, me. Ah, you said your contract is that long. We might, we might Wait f- another five years. As soon as Sean's <laughs> free, you're gone. You board of a contract. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. Alien 3 was the first thing David Fincher ever directed movie-wise. Uh, he's such a bad time, he swore off he would never direct a movie again. But then when Seven came across his uh, desk, he's like, I cannot resist this. So did Seven, then The Game, Fight Club, Panic Room, Zodiac, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, The Social Network, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Gone Girl, and then Mank. So quite a selection of highly rated and popular movies there. I feel like it should have ended with Alien 3. 
never read anything beyond that. Uh, seven stars as Detective David Mills, Brad Pitt. Uh, I don't remember covered Brad Pitt before. I couldn't find anything that we've sizably uh, had a role in. He may have had a passing. On. No, there you go. We'll find it later <laughs> on. So uh, after breaking out in Thelma and Louise and having a, f- a famously kind of who is this guy uh, turn in true romance. He then made an interview with the vampire opposite Tom Cruise, and then Seven to break away from his kind of Hollywood handsome hunk, uh, kind of, I don't know, depiction that he'd had in Hollywood at the time. So into Seven, 12 Monkeys, Fight Club, Snatch, The Oceans Trilogy, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Inglorious Bastards, Moneyball, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Ad Astra, and one of my films of the summer I'm getting excited about, Bullet Train, which comes out in a couple of months' time. Looks like know, it could I've, be a I've, banger. I've seen too many trailers for that now, I kind of, I was like, ooh, and then I was like, seen it about 30 times now in cinema. <laughs> However, you did miss Brad Pitt's best film, okay. Deadpool 2. Deadpool 2, he is indeed Deadpool <laughs> 2. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, Deadpool 2 as well for Brad Pitt. So that's, that's where we know him from, but Seven was quite early on in his career. And co-starring as Detective William Somerset, we have Morgan Freeman, who have also, God. I think, never covered. Uh, God, yes, that comes up here. Uh, so, Major, major breakout was Driving Miss Daisy, which was like an Oscar winner uh, in in that in the 1980s that he was in. Then his famous roles beyond that, I've got, he was in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Unforgiven. Then he went The Shawshank Redemption 7, back, almost back to back. I think there was something squeezed in between, which was definitely his peak, I would have said. And then Deep Impact, where he played the president. Then Bristol Mighty, where he played God. Uh, then he was uh, the narrator in everything for about five years. And then he was in the Dark Knight trilogy. And then Invictus uh, it was, was the, his last well-known movie role I've got. But he did a bunch of stuff. He pops up. He, he does Morgan Freeman things. He leaves. You kind of know what he does. But yeah. To me, you say he's God. To me, he's still the president. When I saw Deep in the I was at the right. Morgan Freeman is always uh, the president. You've got that voice. You're always God. Oh, exactly. Yeah. On a budget of $33 million, seven in its first weekend in the US took $14 million. Final US gross, $100 million. Final worldwide, $327 million for seven. It made 10 times its budget. Uh, so no wonder New Line could afford Lord of the Rings about 10 years after this. <laughs> Released in America on the 22nd of September 1995 and in the UK on the 5th of January 1996. A massive gap. <laughs> back in the days where you couldn't get spoiled on things. You didn't know. No, no spoilers on the internet back then. It took, you, it took you 12 months to go on a boat to get to America. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, it made it qualify for the 1996 award season where it was all over the place in the 1996 award season. 1996 Oscars won nomination, nominated for Best Editing, but it lost to Apollo 13. Uh, nominated the 1996 BAFTAs, won nomination, Best Original Screenplay, lost to The Usual Suspects. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, Kevin Spacey was very much represented in award season this year as well. 1996 MTV Movie Awards, seven had four nominations. Best on-screen duel for Brit, uh, Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman, uh, which they lost, but I have not got written down who beat them because I missed that out of my notes. So I'll do a bit <laughs> of investigation and find out who beat them. It's the You're one fired. Time, the one time I forgot to do that. Also, I think I was too busy thinking that's about the fifth film in the row where the best on-screen duel has been uh, in our film from the MTV Movie Awards. Best villain. Uh, spoiler alert, Kevin Spacey. Uh, he won. Uh, I should say, we should have prefaced the whole film where, uh, yeah, spoilers are plenty here. Kevin Spacey's in this film. He won Best Villain. Most Desirable Male, Brad Pitt. He won. 
And best movie, seven one. I don't know if it's the first time, but it's certainly a rarity that we cover the MTV best movie of the year. But of course, the Net Night Six Saturn Awards is really what we care about. Seven, despite not being fantastical or sci-fi or anything like that, seven nominations <laughs> at the uh, Saturn Awards. Best makeup, which it won, which I'm assuming was mainly for dead bodies. Aye. Uh, best music, it lost the usual suspects. Best writing, it won. Best Supporting Actress, Gwyneth Paltrow, lost to Bonnie Hunt in Jumanji. I'm not exactly sure who Bonnie Hunt is in Jumanji, right. but um, that's who won it. Uh, best Actor, Morgan Freeman, lost to George Clooney in From Dust Till Dawn, which is a bizarre one, but fair enough. Best Director, David Fincher, lost to Catherine Bigelow for Strange Days, a film I'm not very familiar with, but I like the look of after trying to find out what it was, so Strange Days is on my to-do list at some point. And nominated for Best Action Adventure Film, not sure Seven necessarily fits into that category, it lost to The Usual Suspects, which seemed to pretty much beat it in every awards show that year. On to what the film was about. I've got a synopsis by Tad here. I'm not sure if that's his real Tad's name or what Tad's even for. <laughs> and he says, This thriller portrays the exploits of a deranged serial killer. His twisted agenda involves choosing seven victims who represent egregious examples of transgressions of each of the seven deadly sins. He then views himself as akin to the sword of God, handing out horrific punishment to these sinners. Two cops, an experienced veteran of the streets, who is about to retire, and the ambitious young homicide detective hired to replace him team up to capture the perpetrator of these gruesome killings. Unfortunately, they too become ensnared in his diabolical plan. These people love a thesaurus that write these little reviews. <laughs> things. Who picked It Was The Wheel? Do we know who put it on the wheel? Not a clue. I have no idea. I don't think it came from anyone on my side, but I could be wrong. We should really update but, the wheel uh, and put, their, many, put, put not, the fans well, on. Use it must be one of mine. Yeah, because you had a massive long list. We don't know. It was on the wheel. We none of us necessarily picked it. Have we seen it before? I've seen it often before. I have seen it, but it's been a while. At least so, 10 years, I think. My my story of Seven might sway where this film's going for me, which is really hard to hide anyway. I'd seen the last 10 minutes of this film first. Ah, that's a problem. And and, and then I rewatched it, and I was like, Han, what happens here? And then this, <laughs> is, this, this is probably the, the, the second and a half time I've watched this film. Right. right, okay. And you watched the, the half first. And then... Yep, I watched uh, all that. It was literally half, like the last 10 minutes. I literally, as soon as you see the pylons and the cars driving down, I don't know, like, I just, my mum must have had it on the background, but I remember it. It's like, it is vivid. It is like I've watched this film a million times. I just remember that scene. I was like, it's this film. <laughs> it was one of my first DVDs, I think. I think this would probably be within the first 10, if not first five DVDs I ever owned, seven. But I think because of that, this is the first time I've ever watched it in HD because I watched it on Netflix. So uh, I'd only ever seen on television before I got the DVD and then on my crappy DVD, which, I mean, it's an OG DVD, like, nothing fancy <laughs> about it at all. Uh, which channel we normally find it on? I thought this is a Channel 4, like, RC4, yeah. Channel. Yep. Even, I can even feel the advert breaks coming, I think. Yeah. Uh, and we all watched what I believe is like the unanimous Netflix version, like the the, the version that exists now. Well, I don't know coming. because, uh, like Chantel was adamant in that you got to see the head in the box. Mm-hmm. Like, what, I'm thinking I must remember it. I thought you saw it as well. Yeah, so nah, it must be a Mandela, Mandela effect. effect. Yeah, I reckon. I've, now, I think, I, even into my research that I, I never found, there was a head made of Gwyneth Paltrow. 
uh, because they reused the, the dummy head for uh, Contagion that she was in because the same <laughs> studio sort of worked on it. But no, I, I obviously I've watched my DVD version and no mention ever of there being a different cut that had her head visible. My the most you ever see is you can see blonde hair poking out the box. Uh, I think the uh, only the the only real interesting different version. Uh, one is a script one that I'm going to bring up later on when Chris is doing hypotheticals because I think it's a, a negligible change that might make it better. The only other one is that the original, when they first showed it to test audiences, when, spoiler alert, uh, John Doe gets shot by Brad Pitt, it faded to black and that was the end of the film. Like, as it ended right there, there was no little nice wrap-up bit at the end where oh, he's in the police car and nice Morgan Freeman with a bit of poetry, whatever it was at the end. It just went, boof, boof, end of film. <laughs> like, there you go. He won. Cheerio. I'll help you go home. And test audiences did not like it. So, I won uh, that film. That's the film I want. Yeah. I think it might be better, but I've got a better hypothetical what would be better uh, later on. Yeah. Uh, okay, then, on to point two, which is our high points. What we thought the best bits and things of the film were... Uh, anyone want to start? I'll go because I've not got many. They're few and far between. I love a serial killer film where it kind of plays to God and faith and there's like a really good story. Like, so The Seven Deadly Sins is this one. Absolutely. I was hooked. I was like, oh, yes, this is what I want. A serial killer with a plan rather than a serial killer who just wants to kill people. There's there's a big difference there. Proper motivation. He's read one too many Bibles. He's like, yes, this is what we're going to (laughs) do. And yeah, I love I love the idea of a story. Do what I like about this the fact that you don't actually see him until practically near the end of the film. Uh, I've got that in stats, but yes, you you don't actually see who. All is one step is. behind him. Yeah, the, like the entire time. Except there's one time where they they get ahead of him, which I will get onto. Um, was one of my ones. Uh, but yeah, it is, they're always getting the runaround by the villain the entire way through. And yeah, you, you, I do like that you don't see him until the very end. My earliest high point I've got, it's not necessarily, this is a tough film, this one, for high points. As I was watching it, I think on the watch through, I didn't really have many high points until about three quarters of the way through, because it's not up and down and up and down. The whole thing is, here's details, here's information, here's details. And like you say, they're always behind John Doe the entire time. And then it gets really good at the end, because everything's coming together. Everything you just watched for the previous hour and a half is paying off at the end. So they're not high points, but I very much enjoyed the scene where Somerset comes over for dinner um, and visits with the two of them. Because I think it's at that point where you really kind of find out that Mills is like actually a dumbass, I think. <laughs> uh, uh, this is the, On this watch through, it's the most I've realised just kind of how stupid he is. Not stupid necessarily, just in case of he's completely out of his depth and doesn't know what he's doing. Whereas Somerset... 50 years whatever working in the job and that meal really exposes that where it's like Gwyneth Paltrow oh when I first met him he was really really funny <laughs> and it's his reaction to be like really? <laughs> rolling around on the floor with the dogs in the next room and all that stuff, barking at them and all that and then yeah you get, you get a... Gwyneth Paltrow's role in this film is really strange because she wasn't huge yet this was like her massive this was her star now at this point but it's like she's in it a bit and you feel like she's important, and then she goes away for a while, and then it's very important when she comes back at the end. But I thought that scene was very good explaining who everybody is and kind of the relationships to everyone. And it's quite funny. I do feel like he laughs too hard at the <laughs> flat shaking. Like, it wasn't that funny. Like, but, um, that should, like, I know there is places like that in America, but who goes, go for house viewing? Oh, fuck, it's vibrating up. Right, I'm out, I'm out, I'm not doing it. 
Yeah, I'd be suspicious from the get go. There, no matter how cheap. I was gonna say, why is that so cheap? Oh, it vibrates every five minutes. I see. Yeah. Uh, What I found funny about the thing is when he's handing him a drink, he goes, "Here, here, here, some wine and a glass." He doesn't realize it's in a glass until the house shakes. He kind of looks at it like. Yeah, he does like, what the hell, what have you done? Yeah. <laughs> Again, that's like Mills being a bit stupid, not giving him wine in a wine glass. Uh, my next high point I've got, this is, this is really where step one of the film kicking up a gear is the sloth crime scene, where you've got the boy tied to the bed looking like a skeleton. Um, yeah. Because of it, it has the bit where John uh, John C. McGinley shouting dicks, dicks at the top of his voice. <laughs> I thought the whole scene was great, because I think was, as a SWAT guy's running past him, SWAT before dicks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I was literally about to like, just say my high point is John C. McGinley in this film. He's, he's got yeah. all the best lines. It's a box. Was- it's a box. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, his his running commentary from the helicopter is really yeah. funny. There, I listened. To, I, I had headphones on, so it's the clearest I've ever heard it. I think watching this time. That's I was something I was going to do before we started. It was to put him in most underused. I think was uh, John C. McGinley. So I'll put that in for later on. Love uh, yeah, he's he's really good. But yeah, the rest of the the sloth crime scene were um, like I, Chris has maybe counted it for later on. But the jump scare of the guy not being dead. Is a belter. Apparently, trivia tells me they didn't tell. The, I think it was John C. McGinley who was right yeah. up next to him. They didn't tell him that he was going to be alive. They were saying it's a dead body in the bed, so he didn't expect him to just call <laughs> right. So it's a genuine, genuine uh, scare. I like things like that. Genuine reactions. Like yeah. they did the same in Alien and they did it with other films, but you can't really do it anymore because you got to clear everybody so they don't you know sue for getting a heart attack or something. and shit themselves or COVID safety now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they've ruined it all. <laughs> Uh, this, Back in the day where actors could shit themselves. It's one instance of something that stuck with me in my entire life. I can't see a magic tree without thinking of the Ruben Seven. <laughs> Anytime I see a magic tree, and it's like, oh yeah. And especially if there's more than one, I'm like, there's a dead body over there or something. Like <laughs> uh, those things lose their smell after a fucking five days in my car, let alone that's fucking that's one that's year. That's Bullshit. Yeah. He must have been going every, every week and topping one up. I think every time he went to buy, I don't know whatever it was he was feeding him to keep him alive, he'd buy a new magic tree as well. <laughs> and then that scene ends with John Doe taking a photograph on the, on the stairs, which he didn't realise. I had no idea it was him. Yeah, See, I did. Like, like, I don't know why. It's, you can hear his voice. Like, well, yeah, you could definitely, but I think it's because I watched the last bit, it's like, because he's slightly bald, I was like, ah, it's him. It's like, it was straight away, I was like, this film is shit. It's not even hiding Apparently things from me. again. Uh, do you know when... Uh, what's she called, Tracy and Somerset having breakfast or lunch, whatever it is together. Apparently, he's appearing in the background behind them because he looks at them. The um, apparently, when they go to the leather shop, just as the guy is talking about someone came in here, oh, he came in here with a limp. There's somebody limping outside on the road, apparently, when they're in the shop as well. But uh, yeah, I, I haven't seen, I didn't go back and like to each scene and try and spy them. But yeah, apparently, he's all over the place uh, in the background of this film. <laughs> It's just John Doe. Uh, yeah, any other high points? I've got, I've got a few more, but that, well, that comes As morbid as it is, the deaths, I like a very Jigsaw-esque contraption and plan, which is, is... There's no Saw without Seven, is there, yeah. really? Like, I don't know, I think there's no Seven without Saw. Uh, that's not how it works. It says... <laughs> saw seen this and went, ah, oh, we could do this better. And then they did. So now it's the standard. That it's raised. Oh, oh, was it rising? Rising the yeah. Raised the bar. Ships. Yeah. So because Saw is so popular, Seven is thought it was popular. Yeah. It was. Uh, I didn't realize what happened with the. Uh, what was it? Lust. I had no idea what the contraption was. I was just sitting there watching. <laughs> why? Why is he? T- why is he wanting to get off? What's happened here? 
because I wasn't paying attention. And then I went back and saw the thing was going off. I could see why she did. I think that's the grimmest death. That's like obviously we do our best death as part of the pointies, and I'm like, well, that one's ruled out. Uh, That is horrific on many, many levels. Uh, But yeah, that's a. The fact that the person who wrote this film also wrote Eight Millimeter—I don't know if you've ever seen Eight Millimeter—but um, like it is more crazy than this is in terms yeah. of that. That guy's got a dark soul. I think <laughs> for him to written both these films and come up with these kind of ideas, uh, it, it's like it's about snuff movies, basically, is what Eight Millimeter. Oh, right. So it's like ugh, for those two films, but it's—I mean—it's darker than this. It's less fun than this is as well. Um, I've got from my next high point. Again, this is up, this is the, up two gears this time. The, from the moment John Doe walks into the police precinct and just shouts "Detective!" <laughs> <laughs> from then to the end of the film is just like sensational. Like my, just so every... my bit, my bit in between that is when he gets out of the car and he looks at the dog and he went, "That wasn't me." Mm. Like, <laughs> yeah. love that bit. There are some jokes, like when uh, the captain answers the phone, that's not even my desk, and it hangs up. <laughs> it's like, well, don't answer the phone then. <laughs> like, well, there are some silly bits in it that just keeps it a bit of a fun time. It's just so dark and so tough outside of that. But yeah, him coming in, shouting detective, the same with the lawyer. I, that's never stood out to me until this viewing through, but Richard Schiff absolutely hits a home run with what he got to do in his one scene in this film. He's amazing as the lawyer. I'd hate. Like, imagine being a lawyer and you know fine well the guy that you're trying to get off is a killer. Yeah. And you're just like, I don't know. It's my job. And no, he's like, and he'll just plead insanity and get away with it. It's like, yeah. just like, like oh. Amber Heard. <laughs> I don't think she pleaded that, but anyway. <laughs> the internet uh, decided that she was nuts. <laughs> but basically, yeah, from. That point to the end of the film is the high point. I don't know if we're at the car journey yet, but in terms of that's where I am on my high point. So yeah, I'm, pretty much. It is an all-timer of a scene where basically... And this is where I Kevin get picked Spacey, up. This is where I watched it. This, yeah, the first time is my experience. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kevin Spacey, probably being the ke- best Kevin Spacey in all of his films, I think. Even anything you... Forget about his like, per- personal like, transgressions and stuff. Yeah. He is a phenomenal actor. Yeah, yeah. He's great at a cycle. Yeah, because like, there's another film he did, and he is just like he can play evil, and he can play well. a cat really as well, well as well. I can't remember that film. It was a good film though, where he gets cat. morphed. In, he gets morphed into a cat. It's a banger of a film. It wasn't cats, was it? <laughs> no, it was one of his last films before he got uh, done for diddling. Right. Uh, okay, I can't say I've heard of that one, but I'm intrigued. But yeah, the, the cards only were basically. Mills keeps thinking he's got the upper hand on him and he absolutely yeah. does not and the whole plan and the whole time Morgan Freeman's like there's more to this there's more like this we're playing into his game here and it's just all three of them is really good and there's something about the way that they shoot through the bars in the car that isolates like the mouth and the eyes they just it just draws me in <laughs> I just have to watch it's just it's so perfect I don't know but uh, and then Again, talking of all-timers, it is one of the most famous, greatest endings of a film there's ever been, I think. The whole thing, for me, is worth it for the ending of the film. Uh, I know Andy might think otherwise since he watched it first. It was a good good start to the film, I'm not going to (laughs) lie. It made me intrigued to go back and watch the full thing. Yeah. I like the fact that um, uh, Mills is always just like, he's got his gun on the whole time, and like um, Somerset's just like, something not right here. 
he just keeps looking around and then he sees the van and that's it. That park sets in mm. and then he's just like finds the box and he's like, oh, this, it's a bomb or something. There's there's something going on here. Yeah, it opens it like it's a bomb, doesn't it? Really? Yeah. I'm assumption, assumption is it's a bomb. It's a box. It's a box. We've got a box. I'm sure Somerset's mind must be thinking he's going to kill two more people, but he insisted that us two come out with him. So he probably is intending it's us that's going to be the two. So yeah, like I said, it's probably going to be a bomb in the box. Oh, I only realized this is going to think, but do you know how we'll get to that point anyway, like the whole wrath thing? But I figured out that he picked Mills at the sloth thing because. What if Mills never moved out and he never had his wife and stuff? Then he's not picked. Who's he going to pick to be the wrath victim? I believe but I think it's because he tried to push him down the stairs. Yeah, I think I feel like he was always going to try and pick a detective because probably in his mind the police have had the run of the city and they just do what they like and they should be. So their sin is them beating up criminals and shooting people unjustly. So I think whatever cop it was that he was trying to get, who was trying to catch him would probably end up being Wrath and he'd have to work his plan around. But when Mills, like you say, Mills shoves him down the stairs and shouts, spells his name out to him. Detective yeah. Mills, M-I-L-L-S, down the, like, at that point, you're like, oh, there we go. I just decided it. It's him that's getting it. I like that. Like, when you find out what's in the box with Mills as well, you're just like, oh, shit. Yeah. And I, I don't know, if Brad Pitt, he, he plays Brad Pitt in most things. He's a bit yeah. different in this one. I don't know if it is his best acting he's ever done, but the way he does the last scene where he's like... Oh, the, the what's in the box. Tell me yeah. what's in the box kind of thing. It's the same line like 10 times and each of them's slightly different and all that. And then just without saying anything. Like he really doesn't speak. It's all on his face. And then you get the flash of Gwyneth Paltrow and then, then that's it. It's game over once. That's the first I've ever noticed that. Yeah. That little flash. That's because you used to see the head in the box. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's the connection. You but also, flash. Nine Lives is the film that you want to go and watch with Kevin Spacey. Nice. It's about him being a cat. What I like about this is the fact that it's a, I like a film with an unhappy ending. Mm. Like, all films, it's like, oh, they get the killer. It's like, oh, let's go to a bar and have a laugh. No, see, I, I like it when a villain lives. Wins. I love a good villain winning. You can't have them all, but one in, I don't know, seven to be jokey, but one in Oi. seven when the bad guy wins is quite good. Like, I think you're going to mention them later on, but like, I read some of the other possible endings that I had in mind, and I think they've absolutely nailed it with this one. Right. Like, what the few of them I read was um, it wasn't actually Tracy, it was a lookalike in the box. Oh. And so obviously he kills him anyway, but he now kills him for no reason. Right, I hadn't heard that one. That, that's a worse ending, I would hope. Yeah, that's a worse ending, because that's um, not Wrath, though, is it? It's just been a dick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then there's another one, uh, Somerset, that kills John Doe because um, that's he's got his whole life ahead of him. I'll, uh, I'll I'll keep that one for our debate later on because that's, uh, that, that's the one that's so you right. can think about. Low points. Let's here. go. Well, I've got one more high point. It's a very, very minor one, but I paused yeah, I it where it zoomed in on the newspapers. So when they announced the lawyer got killed, I paused it and I was like, what other stories are happening in the city around this time? <laughs> Two other headlines on the front of uh, one of the newspapers. This is the same news, no, a different newspaper. One has, Neighbours Beagle Scares Teen Cures Eight-Year Bout with Hiccups is a front page headline <laughs> underneath the lawyer one. Another newspaper underneath the lawyer murder, Housekeeper Held Hostage by Child's Possessed Gerbil Three Days of Terror. <laughs> hey. I want to watch those films. They sound like, maybe not the Hiccups one, but the Possessed Gerbil. Chris, what's your other high point? Um, it's the credits. They go the opposite direction. Yeah, they go upwards, yeah. It's the I, only I, film I blew I my mind. That's the first watch. time I've ever seen that. It blew my mind. 
I'm not sure I've ever seen another film that did that. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, okay, Andy, points today on the podcast is low points. What you Credits got? going backwards. Why? <laughs> <laughs> What's the point? I would get it if it was some kind of like reverse weird film, and no, there was no there was no need for the reverse credits. One in the end. Nope. That's, that's a low point. <laughs> He's Mine's a psychopath. Like... He, he was making the credits at the end as well as the credits at the beginning, so that's why he did that. Way. Oh, that was very like American Horror Story. The music at the start, <laughs> apart from some random singing at the end. Yeah, <laughs> but my my overall like I don't have many low points either. It's one of these films that's just like it's been meh. To it me. is. It's, yeah, it's, and it's kind of what you said about the high point is it's like it's very it's flat. Now I don't mind a flat film getting like I was like all right, Seven Deadly Sins, all right, Murder Here, Murder Here, but it's like I've got four murders and it's pretty much they all approach them in exactly the same way. Nothing really changes. Like all right, all right, and then you kind of like obviously Kevin Speed, you know he's there, you want to know who the killer is and all that, but then. The payoff just feels like a bit shit because you've all talked about how the la- like the last ten minutes of this film is the best bit. The killer shows up, Kevin Spacey. Now, I probably you get the pop of that because he's not in the film. However, yeah. I just feel like the film needs something in the middle. It's two and a half hours long, and it could have easily been an hour and a half. There, there is some like dead air, probably stuff. A lot of scenes where nothing's happening. Some and that's where argue, Chris falls asleep it- a lot. Yeah, they let, let it breathe, and there's sometimes you don't need to explain everything, and some scenes where they feel like they. Like, <laughs> that, is, that was Chris. Explaining. Did you yeah. have seven naps through this film, Chris? Well, the first time I tried to watch it, I made it through until <laughs> about Sloth, <laughs> and then I watched it from Sloth. Then, then obviously to take notes and start to watch it again, I fell asleep within thirteen minutes. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just, I just feel like I, I love a good thriller and what's going on thing, but I just feel like it needs to have. Whoa, like something peaks, but it's just like, oh, there's another death. Right, investigate. Oh, there's another death. The chase, yes. it becomes, that's probably the first kind of rush of blood in the film is the chase. I yeah. Think, which I meant to actually mention, oh no, I've got, I've got it coming up here. So. I forgot the end. I thought that's where he caught him and I'm, I'm waiting for him to get caught, but he gets away and I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> when they made the chase, they uh, somebody recommended, I can't remember if it was the writer or somebody suggested that they wanted to do a chase where the hero chasing the villain never has any idea where he's gone. Like in every Hollywood chase, someone runs in the corner and the good guy chases after also goes around the corner and then they get ahead of them. Like this chase, Mills never has any idea where he is. As soon as he goes out of sight, he's lost him and then a kid has to point, oh, he went that way or someone says a back door that way and then he's just like, here's a noise, there's a chase that way. He's never as he have the upper hand in the chase and then gets his ass absolutely handy to him when he catches up to him like that leads me to my like low point like i found that they found his apartment far too conveniently like of all the names of the thing they just picked him and it happened to be his apartment and it was all too convenient that's one of my low points is the whole library card system bit it feels like it's been shoehorned in to the film it's like well somerset's breaking the rules here and it's a thing that didn't exist necessarily. I, I found out that it became legal where all library public record things were stored by the government in 2001. So this was breaking the law if it was indeed happening. And it is now a thing that can happen. Someone will be tracking what books you're taking out of the library. I'm definitely going to go and get some uh, new books now. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like a massive reach for the film. I'm going to take all those books back and get rid of my card. <laughs> like, oh yeah. cash we've got on me. I could just give to this FBI guy I know, and he'll go find who's taking out all the books we want, and that'll be the guy. And I've just put, no wonder 
John Doe hadn't accounted for them doing it in the plan. It's the one time they get close to catching John Doe is because... Yeah, it was a fluke. Yeah, because he's like, like what, how Broke is that off. even a thing that happens? How would they work that out? And I don't think it's them necessarily being great detectives, just a case of it seems like a weird but bit to be I also need to them. give a shout out to the Mark Boone Jr., which now keeps my record of, I've met that guy in this film. <laughs> 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 uh, we've jumped over one low point I had which is the scene that's behind Andy on the video version which is some are set in the library because personally I feel like it's the only real not important bit in the film like some bits are quiet not a lot's happening but everything else seems to pertain this is just a little bit where they play some music and Morgan Freeman wanders around <laughs> in a library and I've put that down it's the only point in the film I think where I'll let it run while I run to the kitchen, probably because I'm still hungry after just watching all the gluttony bit. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, in the past, I know I've been, oh, Somerset's in the library, I'll run and get a drink, or I'll, like, now's a good time, I don't need to pause it, I know what happens. It just seems to be one of the points where it's 10 minutes too long, uh, doesn't really, you can just have him, a quick montage, him looking at books, boof, Mills, there you go, there's some notes for you. Uh, I've got one other low point, I don't know if you guys get any more. Uh-huh. This is a big quibble I've always had with this film. John Doe hands himself in, covered in blood. He's covered in three people's blood. His own, the lust victim, and I'm assuming, they never actually explain it, Gwyneth Paltrow's blood. Because they'd be the three. One. He's covered in it, absolutely. The guy handcuffs him, it gets red. How did he get that box delivered? How did he get Gwyneth Paltrow's head off of her body and into a box and not get any blood on the box? Well, maybe he put the head in first, then moved the rest of the body, which he got covered in blood with. Yeah. So he's gone, I've killed you, chopped your head off, cleaned myself, put your head in the box nicely, well taped. And then I'm assuming, would he then, how would he then go from Gwyneth Paltrow's house with a box of head in it and her blood via, I don't know, (laughs) the post office? Maybe he got click and collect. And took it off outside. Uh, click. I reckon click and collect. Amazon came and picked it up from his house. Right. Okay. Because like obviously he does get a cab well covered in blood as well. Like I said, we get to the police precinct because he's covered in blood in a taxi. So I've often wondered how he didn't get one drop of blood on the outside of this box because he would just hand the guy a head and say, "Can you deliver that to the middle of nowhere?" For me? <laughs> so well, I don't. I don't know. Um, the new Hermes, whatever they're called, Every. They've got, they've got a system now where you can just book your parcel in and you take it to the shop and the guy will put it in a box for you. So maybe he did that. <laughs> Maybe it was invented. Yeah, put that box. <laughs> Ship it, please. Don't look at the eyes. <laughs> he doesn't like it. <laughs> but yeah, that was my last point. I was always like, how uh, is that box? I was sorry. I was going to say, um, Nicola made a point of when they, just before that, they walk out the precinct, um, Mills' wife is apparently on the phone. Or is she just saying, your wife's phone, I'm not on at a, a receptionist or something like that? Or an answering service? Yeah, because they've been out all morning, so it might be a case of. Mills, your wife was looking for you or whatever. All right. I thought she was on the phone at that point because she had There's a guy in my house. <laughs> He's already killed the dogs. <laughs> I don't know. So, right. I'd be watching to kill the dogs. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. We didn't actually get an explanation of what happened with them, but I thought it would ruin his, his uh, seven sins. I don't think the dogs have done anything wrong. Anyway, on to point four. Point four is stats. So the stats for seven are as follows. 16 shits, but 68 F-bombs. Mills just curses <laughs> up a storm in this film. Not one single explosion in the entire thing. Now, deaths. Eight deaths. They are, which is weird. The film's called Seven. It's about seven murders. There's eight deaths. 
The first murder that we find Somerset at when Mills comes up the stairs, that's not one of them. You got gluttony, you got greed. Some random double eyeball stabbing happened just round the corner from the police station. Oh, yeah. That one scene, that wasn't John Doe. Lust, pride, envy, wrath is eight. Okay. Dead dog. That's, that, that's not a, that that's separate now. Does Sloth die? Because they don't actually ever say that he is dead. They say he's got a death the sentence. Last we he's alive. Yeah, exactly. So he doesn't actually die in the film. Uh, so his doctor said that it was not a hope in hell he was living. So. Yeah, but we never got the oh yeah, he's actually dead now. So it's either eight or nine in the film called Seven. Only one death appears on screen. That's John Doe being shot by Mills. Therefore, we never see John Doe kill anyone, the serial killer in this yeah. film. We never see him kill anyone. They're always behind him. I, I like that fact that as a serial killer, he only actually technically killed one person. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. yeah. Also, yeah. if Hollywood's listening, I've just thought of the sequel. We'll call it eight. And we'll eight, put an eight. Okay. And we'll have um the dude that we don't think's dead come back, but he's like a killer, just like in Jigsaw, like the apprentice. Ah. Yeah, yeah, literally, if you flash the light in his eyes, we'll die of shock. Yeah, so ah, he, 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 he basically come back. He creeps around in the dark and he gets all his victims in the dark <laughs> and he, he does the seven deadly sins again, but he makes his own one. So he hides deadly sins. Small spaces. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, on to the quotas. No cows and no goats. There was a dead dog, as Andy pointed out. Maybe more, potentially, depending on what Joe did. Joe? John Doe did at Gwyneth Bonsall's flat. Um, peeing. The leather store guy mentioned a performer drinking it on stage, but I don't think there was any actual... I think there was maybe some in the sloth guy's flat. I think there was some in the jar. performance? Oh, uh, yeah, there was a urine sample. Yeah, there we go. Pedophile. Sloth guy, also a pedophile, unfortunately for him. Is it? Uh, yep, he was a pe- pederast, if you ask John Doe, anyway. So, there you go. <laughs> uh, the devil. John Doe is not the devil, because Somerset says so in one line of dialogue. He mentions that he's not the devil, he's just a man. Uh, he's not otherwise implied. No KKK, no Nazis, no racism seem to really be involved in the film whatsoever. Kevin Spacey, we do not see him in this film until 54 minutes. That's when he's a photographer, so don't actually know that it's him. So the real time he shows up is 1 hour 35 minutes <laughs> is when he shows up in this film. Uh, no wonder he was not advertised beforehand. Um, this is only alleged. This was not double-checked and verified by me. Seven minutes into the film Seven, Mills gets a phone call that starts off the Seven Murders. And seven minutes before the end of the film, seven Somerset says the line, "He will win." <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, if, you, if you're into that sort of thing, this is that. And do they say the thing? Do they say seven? Oh, Aye. A bunch. I counted five. <laughs> it's quite tough to keep back of a number. Oh, I thought it'd be more than that actually. Yeah, they definitely say seven five times. First one was three minutes in. Uh, was the first time they say seven. Chris, any stats from you? Uh, no, I had a dry week this week. I couldn't think. Of <laughs> it's because you fell no asleep. No nothing. I kept falling asleep. Well, no, like, I was just watching going, okay, I count things. Maybe there's seven things on the screen all the time. No, that's too fucking complicated. Um, uh, well, I can't, there's no, not really any fights whatsoever at all. I can't, there's nothing. Well, I'll tell so you what, just, this actually, this boards on well for moving on to our next point. Okay. Is that the most pornographic scene? No, because there wasn't one, so, but <laughs> I was trying to gloss over that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this is a hard one for point. porn. Is, 
the ten point podcast quiz is our next point. Uh, so Andy, what's what's on the quiz? Then? Well, this, this is, is a good one because I thought Chris was absolutely going to decimate this quiz. However, he did not. So I like to call this quiz numbers. Ah, okay. So well, like basically, that. we'll do the standard because nobody likes a buzzer. So we'll go back forth, back forth. So we'll do a virtual coin toss, and we'll start with Chris. Okay. Um, you'll work out the quiz. Every single I answer. I was like doing Busco's first because so I had to get an idea what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> every every single answer is a number. Now I want exact numbers. No closest wins. I want exact or no points. Okay. Okay. So you'll get the idea as we go along. Chris, what time does John Doe ask Somerset for? Well, what is the time when John Doe asks for the time? What is the time or what time do you want? What, yeah, time, uh, what time is it when he asks? 701. No, it's it is, uh, 7.01. It is 7.01. That's one point. <laughs> I got that wrong. Bruce, what precinct does the detectives work at? Give you a clue. It's a number. Yeah. <laughs> I've only got one in my head and it's not. You're going 13? for the 13th? It is wrong, Chris. Uh, I'll go 15th. It's not. It was the 14th. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I knew it was a Damn it. So all I had in my head was 9-9. Nine, nine. <laughs> it's not that. Chris, since you were paying so much attention, how many cans of spaghetti were visible on the shelf? Oh. <laughs> 12. It is not 12, Bruce. Ah, uh, 22. Oh, it's 21. Oh. <laughs> how is it not odd? How is it not odd? Oh, uh, Bruce, how many times does Morgan Freeman remove his glasses throughout the movie? Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> uh, 17. Not 17, Chris. I was going to say three. It's not three, it was seven. Oh. <laughs> uh, Initially, I thought the whole quiz was going to be things with the answer was seven. <laughs> when his was seven. <laughs> Chris, how many receipts were found at the first crime scene? Two. It is two, yes. Bruce, how many times is the number seven mentioned throughout the movie? Oh, well, I had five, but I think that's well, wrong. Uh, well, six. <laughs> it's not six. Five. It's not five. It's seven. Seven. Ah, damn it! <laughs> genuinely it. was seven. There you go. See, uh, I don't know what the score is. I've got two nil to Chris. All right, well, a couple we'll more. Yeah. Uh, where am I? Chris, how many times does Somerset button his jacket? Never. Zero. It is not zero. Uh, four. It's not four, it was two. Damn. <laughs> uh, is it Bruce? Yeah. Which apartment is Victor the sloth victim in? See, I know oh, damn, I know what Mills' apartment is. Which apartment? Uh, 2B. It's not 2B. Uh, 6.01. Oh, it's close. 3.06. Oh. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I was closer than he was, I think. <laughs> uh, Chris, 
What floor did the shootout in the apartment block take place? Fifth. Not the fifth, Bruce. I thought it was. Third. It's not the third, it was the sixth. Sixth. Ah, I knew it! Uh, is it Bruce again? He was on the floor and he was a floor down, wasn't he? Uh, is it Bruce or Chris? Who's, who's, where am I going? Uh, Bruce. Bruce. Yeah, still down two. What uh, was the number of Chester Williams builder, uh, building? Chester Williams? <laughs> Who the fuck's that? <laughs> is he one of the victims? Aye. Uh, so it's not that one. That's Chester. What was the number of the building? Uh, number of the building. 49. Nope, Chris. Nope, it was two one five. Who was one more? We'll do one more each and see if anybody can get anything, Chris. What was the number on the door of the lost victim? Two B. It wasn't two B. Five. Ah, so close. It was six. Oh, <laughs> uh, is it Briss? Briss. How many plast- How many plasters does Mills have on his face um, after he encounters the killer? So that's how many plasters does he have on his face? So, say he's got two on his nose. Are they two different plasters, or is that one plaster? Because I'm always confused whether that counts as one or two. That's a butter. That's a butterfly uh, plaster. So that would be one plaster on his nose. One. Okay. I think two then. Chris. He got it wrong. I guess it's wrong. Yeah. Uh, seven. Nope, it was three. Ah, <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. Well, I, I, got I was like, there's one here. There's two in his nose. I was like, no, I'll go seven. Trick I'll tell you what. I'll give you a winner's take all. If anybody can get this exact number, winner takes all. What is the number of the helicopter? Go. No, you have to get it right this time. Still. Yes. Yeah. You've got you got two attempts. So, Bruce, you've got one attempt. Go. Right. Triple eight. Nope, Chris. 6115. Nope, Bruce. Who's closer? Can you see if they were closer or not? Nope. Yeah, who was closer? Who was no. closer? No. He, he was like 6,000 and I mean, <laughs> one of us must be closer. Uh, 94. Nope, Chris. Um, 6001. No, it was 4396. <laughs> I thought it was Chris was closer. I got one number in it. Uh, okay, I was resoundingly defeated there. Like you I are I absolutely ne- destroyed never, in the quiz. Never in the running. Chris only got quiz right. sleeping. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he also got how many receipts were there, which was two, which was one of the easy ones. Anyway, <laughs> point six: movies are in movies. Uh, Serpico was mentioned. Lethal Weapon because he's about to retire as the Lethal Weapon gimmick. Control for the shit. Full Metal Jacket, because R. Lee Ermey is in it, and he calls someone Fat Boy, which is an absolute <laughs> Full Metal Jacket ripple. I've got The Great Escape written down. I've no idea why I've got The Great Escape written down. Well, that, that for some reason, jumped out at me. Star Wars. Just because the fucker's got a library card doesn't make him Yoda. <laughs> a great line. Uh, Kate Fear, apparently the soundtrack is the, the one bit of music before the sloth crime scene is pretty much a lift from Kate Fear. And this one, I've actually got, I've been very fancy here, I've hyperlinked a Wikipedia page in here. So, Taxi Driver, because, ooh, get my Wikipedia page, Taxi Driver, because as Brad Pitt is trying to come up with reasons that people explain away, oh, the devil made me do it, oh, the god made me do it, Jodie Foster made me do it. 
the hell's that a reference to? I was like, is that Silence of the Lambs? I like, no, no. So I was like, why? So I just literally just Googled, Jodie Foster made me do it. And I'm like, what film is this from? It's not from a film. No, the guy actually killed Neil, uh, John Lennon, wasn't it? Uh, no, you've got, I think you've confused it with something else, Chris. But you're on the right right, link, right links. Because uh, also Jodie Foster wouldn't be born when John Lennon died, I don't think, which would be your main problem there. Uh, it'd be close, I think. Anyway, either way, John Hinckley Jr., is an American man who attempted to assassinate Ronald Reagan two months after he became president. Uh, in doing so, he wounded a Secret Service agent, Secret Service agent, a police officer, and press secretary, secretary James Brady during the shooting. So he became obsessed with Jodie Foster after seeing her in Taxi Driver. So that's the film. That's a reference where she plays a twelve-year-old prostitute in that film. He became obsessed with her and then was like stalked her to Connecticut when she went to university there sending her love letters and romantic poems upon failing to develop any contact with her he fantasized about conducting an aircraft hijacking or committing suicide in front of her just to get her attention eventually settled on a plan to impress her by assassinating the president thinking that by achieving a place in history he would appeal to her as an equal so then set about a plan to kill the president thinking Jodie Foster wow. would like it that is going quickly <laughs> like, yeah what, what's a lunatic yeah what's a lunatic so I'm assuming at some point there'll be a film about it but there you go John Hinckley Jr Jodie Foster made him do it uh, was his explanation for his um, attempt to kill the president so that was my massive tangent that Brad Pitt sent me on from this film but there you go that's a, a movie within movie for you taxi driver and what's never not good a serial killer who sticks to his plan serial killers go wrong where they just start crazily just murdering everybody like in Scream and all Scream was going fine until the plan goes awry you're a serial killer stick to your plan and kill alter his plan slightly because he found him quicker yeah, he had to move the days, I think, didn't he? That's why there's... I think there's one day where no dead body shows up. Uh, and then there's like two on Saturday, two on Sunday, which obviously two at the end was always... I do have so. one that'll rival You're Never Not Good. Oh, okay. Big police torches. <laughs> yeah, there's some great torch work. <laughs> it's almost X-Files level of torch work. Uh, so big, so big. Yeah. I hate it in new films where they just pull out a little, like a little pin thing and it's like fucking lights up the entire forest. Yeah. And it's like, I want this big fucker <laughs> with 20 batteries that barely illuminates what's in front of them. Yeah. Uh, okay, Chris, 10 point podcast universe. I thought there would be more. I thought we'd uh, covered like Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman, apparently not. So my I- first one was... Uh, Arlie Emery, who was the captain, can't see his name right. His voice was used in Starship Troopers. Hey, ah. Starship Troopers. Yeah, I don't get him. Right. I, I don't know, I couldn't tell you this, but it must have been before something. His voice was heard somewhere. Cool. Um, somebody called George Christie, who was the man scraping the door. I forgot to mention that. That's, a, that's just like a brilliant little bit <laughs> where he's just like, can you not do that? And the guy's like, oh. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> He's gossip here. <laughs> but yeah, the guy. He yeah, was uh, Hasseldorf and Die Hard. Who's that? Doctor Hasseldorf. Hey, I, do. I know. I, I, I could, could not connect those, those dots. I thought he was one of the bad Germans. Maybe. Uh, my guy John C. McGinley, SWAT guy. He was in <laughs> Office Space as one of the Bobs. He was one of the Bobs. Yeah. <laughs> what, what would you say you do here? Well, that's his famous line. <laughs> I, I don't know why. I just find it weird. He goes like that. You have four people directly underneath you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, just the way he does that, it cracks me up. Um, previously mentioned Richard Schiff, the mm-hmm. lawyer. He was a, a trooper in the trench 
in a film I had never in a million years thought would reference again, Tank Girl. I, I can't remember it specifically Tank Girl at all. Nope. Tank Girl, banger. And uh, finally, somebody called Gorgia Max, who was a detective. Uh, he was a smoker in Waterworld. <laughs> right, okay. I, I left the gap there because I thought Chris was going to do what I thought he was going to do. There was somebody else who was in Tank Girl in this. Was that? Hey! Yeah, a second. He played DT in Tank Girl, which I think is one of the kangaroos. Yeah. It's Reg E. Cathy. Yep. He was the doctor. Oh, I looked at him as well, but I must have yep. went straight past Tank Girl. Yeah. He was the doctor doing the autopsy on the, the big fat guy. Yep. Uh, so yeah, there were two people who were that girl in this film. I recognise him, him from the mask or something else because he says the doctor is here or something like that. Right. Tank girl, what <laughs> film? Tank girl. I suppose it's probably one of the closest films in production to Tank Girl. Yeah. The film has not been referenced in, what, six, uh, three, five seasons, five minutes? Seasons, well, was, did it? We did like the fourth episode. Like, I <laughs> I think. I yeah. Twice in one episode. I've never seen it mentioned outside of our podcast in the years in between as well. <laughs> It'll be back. It's going to make a comeback. Don't you worry. It will. Uh, have you recast us into the film, Chris? I did. Uh, I put myself as uh, Detective Mills. Uh, I, I just younger. The young man, that's why. Are you the youngest? Yeah. I think you're the youngest. He's the baby. Yeah, I'll come up later on, probably why. Uh, I saw Bruce as Detective Somerset, of the man from the knowledge and stuff. And I put Andy as John Doe. I'm going by all your triggers in previous episodes, that's why. Because it's just a matter of time before you snap. (laughs) And somebody gets fucking... And was sloughed. (laughs) See, I went went down that Mills was hot-headed... And I thought that suits Andy, so I did him as Mills, me as Somerset, and it just meant you had to be John Doe. Sorry, <laughs> I was going to do which which uh, sin would you be, but I thought that's that's getting a bit deep for the ten point podcast. Well, to be fair, that's uh, coming up in point seven. <laughs> right, <okay. laughs> <laughs> Andy, uh, t- movies and movies. What have you got for us? Uh, I feel like a Morgan Freeman, Brad Pitt are all right. However, it does need a bit of a recast. Now, I'm not going to go down the usual The Rock and Kevin Hart, because that would be too funny. However, I feel like <laughs> I feel like Morgan Freeman, I like him. He does what he needs to do. I feel like a young Vin Diesel, rather than Brad Pitt. Why? <laughs> the pecking order, it's the same people every time here. If it's not one, it's like top four every time. Vin Diesel, uh, or Jason people, Statham, that will be all good. Go- I am good. He's got more than that. <laughs> I, I, just I just don't. I just don't. Kevin Spacey. No, Kevin Spacey does what Kevin Spacey does. Be in jail and be a bad I guy. Do, I would change him for Tom Hanks. I would like to see Tom Hanks play a bad guy. Oh, nah. I think Tom Hanks has got a really good bad guy in him, and he's he's got to pull out before he before he retires. I think at yeah. some point I need to see evil Tom Hanks and something. Uh, point seven, Chris's Would You Rather. I think we've already spoiled it. <laughs> well, yeah, it's not sloth. Really Would You Rather. It's uh, sloth. Which sin do you see yourself? Sloth. 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 All day long. Sloth. I'm one hundred percent wrath. Like. My mum used to describe me as a volcano when I was a kid because really? I, I was just bubbling the surface and I was just fucking erupt. I, I, was I, 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 do, I do do that as well, but I would rather be, I would be sloth. I like, oh no, yeah. gluttony, I like I food as well. I sloth is my sin. <laughs> if, I, if I could, I would leave the house for a year. Like, that's, that's... <laughs> no, just, I, I wouldn't be lying in my bed but I'd be playing Xbox and stuff. I, I, feel like the pa- I feel like the pandemic just made us all a little bit more slothy. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's kind of the norm now. Everyone is sloth. Yeah, I'm gluttonous because I did nothing but eat and drink. Did that as well. 
Yeah, that's why I leave the house. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but it's not a would you rather, but Chris also mentioned it. Yeah, apparently in one of the two one of the two final drafts of the script had Somerset killing uh, John Doe for Mills. No, nope. as in shit. I, I'm out. I think it's better because of the whole. The whole thing is about how Somerset is done, and I'm out, and I don't want to do it anymore. So if he does that, he's out, doesn't have done, doesn't do it anymore. Whereas Mills is still in the world. Somerset also has the bit where he's talking about, in terms of storytelling, he never pulls out. He's never pulled out his gun with attention to fire, or whatever it was. Yeah. So that yeah. finally pulls his gun out, does fire, and ah, finally puts the guy away, and it stops John Doe winning. No, so I think that's almost like diehard Doe, like Pal. He says he pulls, pulls the gun out. He accidentally shot a kid, and then you see him do it again, and he kills a right guy this time. I think it's quite similar to that. Yeah, so I, I, I also like the bad guy winning. Yeah, it, it does. One changes, it changes the bad guy, which is an aspect I like about the film. But I quite like it as it, it does kind of complete things full circle, and it doesn't completely just end whatever Mills has got ahead of him. I don't know if he would he go to prison for that, you think? Or you think he's like the police get him off with it in this corrupt world nah, he's, of the he's city done. that he works in? He's done. You reckon? Aye. Yeah. Depends what state he's in. Death penalty. I'm seven two. He comes out of prison and he's the bad guy. Yeah, I need oh, to he get, get, screwed over. get everyone to put me in jail. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there we go. On to point eight then. The nominations for the ten point podcast awards for the end of the season. I'll run through what I've got first. I should have missed some out here. Uh, I've gone for John Doe as the best death because he planned his own death and he yep. killed a bunch of people to get to his own I death. That and... blank. I don't know why. No, yeah, I like, I, I like I, that I, idea. One I put in. I'll agree. Yeah, I think it has to be John Doe, because essentially all death or his death as well all kind of works into his one. Uh, best plan, has I mean, it's be. a front runner is the actual plan that yep. comes off. Quite it often worked. our best plans don't work, this one works. Best cop, though, Somerset, he was he was there, he was the one that was gaining on him. I and that was one. Yeah, I mean, he didn't catch him, obviously, but he, he was getting there, he was a good cop. Best entrance, John Doe, detective! That's <laughs> <laughs> a good entrance. Best twist, uh, head in a box. Again, I, 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 no one saw it coming. Andy probably wouldn't have seen it coming. He nope. was making Mills wrath. No, yeah, so I yeah. kind of all interlinked. Yeah, yeah. The the pylons is the best. I, I, I feel, I feel like John, John C. whatever he's called, would shout in the box, threw me off. I was like, oh, what is in that box? Is, it, is that a bomb? <laughs> like, I was like, it's exciting. <laughs> I wonder what's in the box now. Yeah. Tell me what's in the box. <laughs> uh, yeah, so head the head the box. He's wrath. It's all all a twist ending, I guess. Worst costume. I don't know if you noticed, but uh, Mills's ties are horrific in this one. <laughs> especially bad one. It's a basketball and a and a hoop all the way down it. But it's a really really I, ugly. It's like a like blue the one. background with a basketball and a hoop. It's horrible. I that uh, worst cop. I've gone for Mills because again, I think he was actually detrimental most of the time. I don't think any part of the case he cracked. Well, I was I'd say the guy in the first scene because uh, Somerset goes, "Did the kids see it?" It's like, who fucking cares if the kids see it? Mm. That's a good point. Actually, doesn't mean like a, a bad guy. <laughs> Definitely, him, but a bad cop might be Mills. I will concede to Mills because he he had to do everything. Was Somerset solved the phone pretty much? Yeah, pretty much held his hand the entire way through. Uh, most unexpected first viewing. I didn't expect Kevin Spacey to show up. I tell you that much. Not straight off the back of Usual Suspects, where he was being like heralded as a great actor. Might, see, mine's, mine's is now uh, Mark Boone Jr. because he's in Mando and uh, Sons of Anarchy and stuff like that. Uh, stupidest character, Mills. I, I'm, I'm positive he's an idiot. Like I, I don't know. This, this he, viewing... he must have some sort of not like yeah. brain to get. 
Call I reckon Andrew. Syndrome X or West Syndrome X Syndrome, whatever it's called. We'll go for that. Fragile X. <laughs> Fragile X, there we go. Uh, best line. There are some funny ones. However, I cannot ask what is in a box when I think of this film. So I'm going, what's in the box? <laughs> it's definitely the best line. It's stuck with me through the rest of my life. Best Bellend slash villain, Kevin Spacey. Uh, he fits both of them, personally and professionally. Yeah. Uh, there you go, absolutely. And I think that's me, but I'm sure there's some I've missed. So Chris, I, think I, uh, I, I kind of zoned out for a while, but I said best actor is Morgan Freeman. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've got to put him in best acting. Definitely Morgan Freeman. Of the three, uh, has to go to him. Yeah, you mentioned it before, uh, best partners. Got to be Morgan Freeman and Thingaby. You reckon? I that like a nah. good... Um, Thing me eventually. No, they didn't. I'm loving that. I put best support as Kevin Spacey. If we still have that, I guess so, yeah. I wasn't sure if you had that. I've lost track. I'm not sure. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. Yeah. Uh, got best bad guy, best twist, best plan, best. Uh, it was oh, best, best jump scare. Sloth. Be best, best cameo, I'm definitely saying, uh, uh, what do you call him? Uh, Kevin Spacey. I think this counts as a cameo, <laughs> I would say. Yes, Sloth for best jump scare, definitely. Yep. <laughs> I think that's it. Best yeah, inanimate object, the box. The box, of course. I've never been yeah. so excited by a box. I want to know what's in the box. <laughs> uh, I tried to find a Michael Pena, but nothing jumps out at me. Cause Kevin he Spacey mentioned the story about his wife and oh, his girlfriend or something when he was a detective. It wasn't exciting. Yeah. Yeah. No. And even Spacey doesn't tell the tale of why he's doing what he's doing and all that. He just, or really explain the whole thing. You have to find out as it happens. So yeah, I don't think there's a Michael Pena here. Point nine, the moral of the story. What we thought the lesson we're supposed to learn from the movie 7. I've got this covered. The story? Mm-hmm. Libraries are bad. <laughs> bad people hang around libraries. Can you yeah. expand they, on why Yeah, they basically, I've, every film I've seen a library in, potential killers always go there first. They get their plans. They sort out their plans. They read about other killers. They then become a better killer. And then the detectives then go, have to use the library to get the thing. And then if they capture the killer without killing them, that killer then writes a book, which ends up in the same library, making a new and improved killer. It's a vicious cycle. Libraries. Libraries are bad. Make a valid point. I've gone for what I think the actual moral of the story is, which is the world is a crappy place. (laughs) <laughs> well, even the bit at the end where Morgan Freeman has a little bit at the end is that the, the, what was it, the world is great and he's saving and he's like I agree with the second bit or something like that and it's mm. like yeah this, this whole film every, everything goes bad for everybody in this film even the guy who wins gets killed so yeah there is no good ending no good development for anybody in the film Chris what's your moral story? Uh, yeah if you're about to retire just retire yeah. so early <laughs> No good comes from leaving it until the last day. Yeah. Never, wait, never be like, oh, ten days to go, nine days to just go. Just do it. Those, if there's ten days, just fucking retire on that tenth day. See you Monday. No, you won't. <laughs> there's always that story. Oh, he was just two days from retirement. Yeah. <laughs> Mendels. Oh, right. Ten, point ten on the ten point podcast is the ten point rating, where we rate the movie out of ten. Uh, nobody picked, so nobody goes first. Uh, Andy, I've got you to go first. I don't like it. Uh, shit. Uh, I watched it. I watched the end at the start, uh, and then I think I seen Saw before I'd seen this fully through. And Saw's a way better film, so watch watch Saw. But it's got it's got an idea there, so I'll give it a three. <laughs> Definitely got an idea there. Yeah, you could, I could agree with that. Chris, I've got you next. Uh, I love a good murder mystery, and uh, one where we're always like one step behind, and we don't know who it is until the last minute and stuff like that. Um, 
I had something else there, but I just threw me off with it. <laughs> I don't like it. Oh, I, I like a film that's not a happy ending as well. Every every once in a while. Um, to be fair, everybody is really good. I, I can't really find a fault, so I I guess I have to give it a ten. Oh, ten? What? I, I can't find a fault with it. Uh, I've pretty much echo literally everything said. Uh, Chris has said I'd also give it a ten because it's what? seminal, epic, perfect. I used to cannot, like. I cannot change. He's too genuinely yeah, smoking crack. Is this like a practical joke? Because this. <laughs> no, did we watch just, the same film? Because this one, Andy, I don't know. Because this this yeah. film is shit. Like Saw is up there with big numbers. No. This film's not. This is this is no Saw. This is a classic. A different kettle of fish. I've I mean, this film pretty much what you two are saying is you love Kevin Spacey, which means you're... Uh, can't go there, but yeah. Any Kevin Spacey film automatically gets a drop of four points. That's a ten-point podcast rule. So <laughs> what you're course. saying is this gets six. We'll agree. It's a six from each of you because it's got know. Kevin Spacey. Uh, I forgot what the rest of your logic. No film ever could be watched because there's always something somebody's done. Uh, Jurassic Park yeah. was the first 10 out of 10 film ever in the 10 point podcast. Oh yeah, I think This is an 8 out of 10 film for 7. Unfortunately, ah, it should have been a 7 really, shouldn't it? We could have, if we'd all given it a 7, it would have been funny. 8 out of 10. Underrated classic is 7, I would say. It's deserved to be high. <laughs> uh, I haven't got the full list written down, but that is the final pick of the random wheel of films. I don't know if they've gone... They've definitely got a dark theme, but... They all <laughs> it's definitely murders. It actually did pick so, uh, When Harry Met Sally. I suppose that's quite an uplifting film. So but, uh, it was Harry I Shrugged the Kid. No, that was last season. No, that was last season. season. Misery, <laughs> Fallen yeah. Down, Grease, When Harry Met Sally, and Seven. Oh, what random. <laughs> no idea what the theme is. It's, it's nearly psychopaths. Like, <laughs> well... Nutters. That guy, the 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 guy in the car who you think about, he's a bit of a nutter in Greece. I reckon nutters. Yeah, yeah, I think nutters. Who's a nutter in Harry? When Harry met Sally. Harry. He's a, I Harry wasn't especially nuttery, was he? Sally that, had crazy eyes. <laughs> crazy, 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 crazy is the theme that the wheel has picked for us. I reckon. Uh, in fact, there's not a song about being crazy in Greece. Let's say, let's let's land on that then. So. Oh, Rizzo, she's got crazy eyes. <laughs> yeah, there we go. So the wheel has picked five crazy movies for us uh, that we have done. Not been a bad selection from the wheel, and you might disagree, but I think a variety and actually quite good films. Oh, I don't think this was a bad film, but it's not a ten. You guys are on crack. It's a ten. I'm sorry. This is it's perfect. Just about this. I, I think I I can't find a flaw. All my little low points were nitpicking. Oh, yeah, really. Anyway, Andy. You can pick a good film for us now. Uh, it's your selection, your final selection of the season. What have you got for us next time? Well, so I'll carry on my theme of picking people that I have met in real life. Uh, I'm looking through the cast list. I've just found a, a quinky dink. One of the um, characters in this is called John Doe. <laughs> so we're going to carry on. So this could, this could be the sequel to uh, Seven here. So right, this... Okay. This is a banger of a film. Like, there's no, there's no question about it. Uh, it's got a couple of actors that we've never done before, and quite a few that we've done before. <laughs> right. So it was almost out of my era. It's the 1999 classic, starring Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Kevin Smith, Jason Mewes, Dogma. 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 Brilliant. This was on my to-do list as well. Dogma. Yeah. Yeah, good. And it's another I, religious I like theme as well. It's, it's another what, sorry? Religious theme. 
Uh, so another world sticking with back to back Christianity here uh, on the podcast. Yes, a few in it we've done before. Definitely a few names are going to come up. Chris's uh, universe checking is going to be long and arduous, I think. <laughs> Get yourself checked as well because I'll miss a few, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, I'll have a look. There you go. Dogma next time. So we've all got one week to find that. Give it a watch and we'll see you next time on the Template Podcast.